Well, it's great to be together this morning. Last week, we kicked off one of the most exciting seasons of the year here at Relevant. We call it Be Rich. And here's the deal. Most of us want to make a positive difference in people's lives, in our community, in the world, but we don't always know how. Well, Be Rich is how. Be Rich makes it simple. And if you're new, I realize that phrase, be rich, might sound kind of weird, but it actually comes from a passage in 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy is, is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a, a young pastor who is his protege about how to lead and teach the people in his church to follow Christ. And toward the end of this letter in the first century to Timothy, Paul writes, command them, referring to followers of Christ, referring to people who have put their faith in Jesus by asking him to be the forgiver of their sins and leader of their life, command them, Christ followers, to do good, and here's our phrase, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. So if you kind of wrap this, you know, narrow this all down, according to Paul, as followers of Christ, we're called to be rich, and the way to be rich is to give, serve, and love. And that's exactly what we do through our annual Be Rich initiative. Once a year, we practice being good at being rich together by combining all of our resources to give, serve, and love in Jesus' name without expecting anything in return. And as I said last week, it's my prayer that regardless of who you are, if you call yourself a follower of Christ or not, been around Relevant for a long time or brand new, regardless of how young you are or old you are, my, my prayer is that you fully engage into what we're all being invited to over the next few weeks. Not only because of the impact it will make in others, but, but mostly because of the impact it can make in you. As we practice being rich during this season together, you have a much better chance of being rich in how you give, serve, and love the rest of the year. And the more that happens the rest of the year, you're more, the more you're going to see and experience the transforming work that God can and wants to do in you, in us as a church, in our community, and in people's lives on the other side of the world the rest of the year. Last week we talked about the first way, which the first way to be rich. We talked about the word give, and then we all had the opportunity to give generously to the Be Rich offering. Once again, our primary goal for the Be Rich offering was 100% engagement. We asked 100% to give last week to the Be Rich offering. And our promise is we're giving 100% of it away to our amazing nonprofit partners. Uh, our nonprofit partners are listed in this book. You got last week when you came in. If you didn't get one last week, you maybe got one when you came in this week. If you didn't, you can grab one at a table on your door, on your, at the do one of the doors on your way out. If you're watching online or if you'd rather view the, these partners online, you can go to to the website relevantcommunity.org slash be rich and view all of our partners that way. We work with all of our partners all year long around areas of missions, mental health, marriage support, poverty relief, refuge support and housing, marriage support, uh, um, church planning, food insecurity, orphan care, education, career training, trauma healing, crisis response, just to name a few. And we look at our partners as ministry extensions of Relevant. We don't compete with them or try to do what they do because they can do it better. Instead, we work with them and we financially support them because financial support's the only way they can continue to do the amazing work they're doing in our community and in around the world. Well, the annual Be Rich offering that we took last week is how we support them and the work that they're doing. Based on the hopes and on the dreams and on the needs of our partners in 2023, we were praying for $386,500 to be given to the Be Rich offering last week because we want to help our partners make a bigger impact than ever in 2023. $386,000 in one week is a huge, God-sized, audacious goal that I'm like, we're probably not going to hit that goal Probably no way we're going to hit that goal, but man, I'm just going to throw it out there and see 
you know, what God does. And because our partners told us these needs, we want to help them the biggest, best way we possibly can. And so, um, you guys want to know what was given last week, the Be Rich Offering? Come back next week. I will tell you <laughs> next week. But make sure you come back at the beginning of the gathering. We're going to celebrate it at the beginning. Make sure you're logged on at the beginning of the gathering. You're not going to want to miss as we celebrate that. Be Rich isn't over. As a matter of fact, we're just getting started. I... I talked about last week that there's a word that seems disconnected to all this, but has more to do with our choice to be rich or not than we can possibly imagine, and that word is trust. If, if you were, you know, as you look at your life and all the highs and all the lows and all the good and bad circumstances and situations and all the valleys and all the peaks, if you were to say, Ronnie, what is God doing in my life? What my answer to you would be, he's trying to teach you to trust him because as trust goes, so goes the relationship. Re regardless of where you're at on your faith journey, the issue that we're all faced with is, can I really trust God enough to turn my whole life over to him? Can I really place all of my trust in God? What God is trying to do in every situation of your life, and all the goods and all the bads, all the highs, all the lows, all the things you wish didn't happen, all the things you were so excited did happen, what God is trying to do in every situation of your life is to grow your trust in him. Because as trust goes, so goes the relationship with him that he created us for. The more we trust him, the better our relationship with him is. And the better our relationship with him is, the more we experience his presence in our lives, and then, therefore the more he transforms us into everything he's created us to be. Listen, I don't know everything going on in your life, but I do know that God is working relentlessly to establish a relationship with you characterized by God, I trust you. I trust you with everything. But growing in our trust in God doesn't happen by accident, which is why what we're talking about in this series is so important. I said last week, I believe with every single fabric of my being that when we choose to, that when we choose to be rich, not when we choose to get rich or get more, that's all external. When we choose to be rich in how we give, serve, and love, our trust in God grow, richly grows. Today, I want to talk about how the second and third way to be rich intersects with our trust in God growing or eroding. Today, I want to talk about serve and love. Now, what's interesting is when someone tells their story about a time when their trust in God exploded, their trust in God just grew and got enormous, you're generally here, then they asked me to serve in student ministry. Then my T-Life group asked me to apprentice to be a future T-Life group leader. Then they asked me to teach in relevant kids. They, they asked me to serve on that team. They asked me to go to Thailand and serve at the Safe Haven Orphanage. They, uh, the, you know, I heard about that need, that ministry, that opportunity. I heard about that home makeover project with, with that Korean refugee family. I, I saw that single mom who had so much need with her kids. And I felt this internal nudge that I needed to do something about it. That I needed to serve in that way. And as they tell their stories, you'll hear, but I didn't feel equipped. I, I was scared. I, I knew I was unqualified. I mean, I felt like this is way, and I'm getting in way over my head here. This is so outside of my comfort zone. I don't feel prepared for this, and I know I ain't smart enough for this. But that nudge, you know, just was so strong. You're thinking maybe it was a bad burrito that I had, you know, but you couldn't shake it. It didn't go away. So you're like, okay, you said yes, and, they, and you did it. 
And in that moment, you're going to hear people say, I felt out of my comfort zone, that I was holding on for dear life, that I felt more dependent on God than, than ever before. But it was such a rush because God used me to do some amazing things. He gave me, he gave me the words to say. He used my past brokenness to help other people. Just me being there in their lives, I saw other people's lives being changed and possibly impacted because of me. And my trust and faith and confidence in God grew because of what he did through me. Listen, if you really want your trust in God to grow and you haven't felt that internal nudge yet, you will. And when it happens, chances are you're going to feel a tension inside, kind of like a tug of war. You're going to feel this nudge and feel like, man, I should do something about that. I should serve in that way. I should engage. I, could, I should take advantage of this opportunity. And then you're going to just be overwhelmed by your insecurities and your inadequacies and your what ifs. And it's going to feel like a tug of war inside of you. And if you're being honest, some of you are, been feeling, are feeling that tension right now. And you have been for a while. And you just need to hear this. In those moments... There's more at stake than you can imagine. In moments of tension, we conclude the only thing at stake is the need, the team, the ministry, the person before us. And even though the benefit of what could happen in that person or group or team or situation, if you engaged, is at stake, there's something so much bigger at stake. What's at stake in those moments, in those moments of tension when you feel that nudge, but I don't know if I can or if I should or if I'm adequate, What's at stake is your trust in God growing or not. Listen, if you haven't felt that internal nudge and the tension that accompanies it, you will. Because this is something God uses over and over and over and over again. Over and over, God invites us out of our comfort zone into the zone of the unknown. And here's what I just want you to understand today. The nudge and the tension you feel inside because of it, it's a trust issue. See, our faith is like a muscle, and God wants to exhaust and stretch our trust muscle in order to build it up, and he does it by inviting us into impossible situations over and over and over again. And one of the best examples of this in the Bible is also one of the most familiar stories in the Bible. It's in the New Testament book of Matthew, chapter 14. When you get to Matthew 14, Jesus is trying to get by himself to mourn the death of his cousin, John the Baptist, but it doesn't work out too well for him. This huge crowd heard that Jesus' boat had docked in the area, and they went out and they found him. And as I start this story, some of you are going to go, oh yeah, I know how this story ends up. But I just want you to, if you know this story, to listen with fresh ears. Because in the middle of this familiar story, Jesus makes a statement that we often miss. One he eventually says to every person at some point in our faith journey that makes us all really uncomfortable. Verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. And I love how Matthew just throws that in there like it's no big deal. And he was just, you know, had loved them and healed them all. Like it's, it's like another day at the office. As evening approached, the disciples, those are Jesus' closest followers, his, his team of 12, his 12 disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. 
So this crowd hears that Jesus had docked in the area. He's quite a ways away. They probably walked a half day to find where Jesus was. And now they're with Jesus. And Jesus is healing them. And it's gotten super late into the day. And the crowd is hungry. The 12 disciples, they're hungry. They're probably extraordinarily tired. So they, the 12 go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, I don't know if you know this, but we're in the middle of nowhere. And these people, they need to eat. We think it's time you send them away so they can go find food for themselves. And this is where the story gets rich as it relates to your and my experience. Jesus replied, they do not go away. And here's the statement we often miss. You, you give them something to eat. <laughs> Jesus going, I recognize the same thing you recognize. I don't know if you know this, but I'm God. I recognize they're hungry. I recognize we're in the middle of nowhere. There's no food around. I recognize they need to eat. But guys, they don't need to go anywhere. You feed them. And this is the tension that if you're not facing now, you're going to. It's a tension that every follower of Christ faces, and it's super exciting. It's the tension of when you hear someone who has a need, when you hear of that, that ministry or team to serve on, when you, when you hear of that opportunity to serve them, to lead there, to go there, when you hear of the, of the opportunity to serve our Korean refugee friends, when you hear, of the, when you hear, the, and, see the, hear and see of the need that we need more small group leaders for kids and students in our next-gen student ministry, and you start feeling this internal nudge as if Jesus is saying, you meet it. You go serve that need. And so often our initial reaction is, no, I don't meet those needs. I pray for people to go meet those needs. So I'll pray, God, I'll pray you send someone. And God, Jesus is going, I want you to do it. I want you to give them something to eat. No, 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 Jesus, I'm a prayer. I'm a financial contributor. So I hope that this helps. Because when you think of those environments and when you think of those situations, you know what you don't know. You know you may be asked questions you don't know the answer to. You know you're not trained for this. You know you get all kinds of junk in your life that probably unqualifies for this. You know how young you are. You know how old you are. You know how busy you are. Listen, there will be a time in your faith journey where you are going to feel a nudge through which God is saying, I want you to engage. I want you to serve that need. I want you to do it. I want you to go feed them. And like the disciples in those moments when we're staring down the barrel of our own fear and inadequacy and reservations is right where Jesus wants us. And at that moment, like us, the disciples had no idea what hung in the balance. So they started to do what we do. They started making excuses. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered. In other words, Jesus, we can't do it. You got the wrong guys. It's not possible with what we have. And I imagine them rolling their eyes like we do. Like, Jesus, I can't do that. I'm not smart enough. I'm not educated enough. I'm not resourced enough. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough skill. I don't have enough bread. I don't have enough fish. This seems like it's for the professional Jesus people, of which I am not. And I imagine Jesus then looking back at them and looking at us and going, oh, I didn't know that. You're right. I'll go find someone else. Nope. Check out what Jesus says next. This is so important. He said, bring them, the fish and the bread, bring them here to me. 
Jesus says, said to them what I think he says to us all the time. Just bring me what you have. Bring me the time, the passion, the ed- experience, the talent, the education, the resources you do have. Just trust me. Trust me enough to bring me what you do have and watch what I can do with it. And so they do. Verse 19. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave, this is so key, he gave them to the disciples. I imagine Jesus, he gets the 12 lined up in front of them with the crowd behind him. And he says, hand me the loaves and hand me the fish. And they're, the, you know, the, the guys are all standing there just staring at Jesus. And Jesus did some, you know, thank you God prayer and starts breaking it and handing it back to the 12 guys. And he hands back enough to them that was just enough for themselves to eat. And they're going, what do you want me to do with this? Like, is this, is this for me? And by the way, is that crowd behind us gone yet? Because this is going to be embarrassing here in just a second. This is so, this is so, so important. This is so important. Jesus gives back to them what they handed him. Jesus didn't go do it. If we would just take what they did next and apply it to our lives, it would be a game changer. He gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. Not Jesus. Once Jesus handed the the, the bread and the fish back to them, they did what they knew how to do because that's all they could do. They didn't know how to feed this huge crowd with that little bit of food, but they knew how to turn around and serve what was in their hands. So they simply did what they could with what they had. They did what they could do, trusting that Jesus might do something more because they knew if they didn't trust Jesus by doing what they could do, they'd never know what he might do through them. Listen, when you feel that internal nudge, And you get all the excuses why you shouldn't and all excuses why you can't. The life-changing, the game-changing response is very, very simple. It is, I'll just do what I can do and trust God to do what only he can do. The tension that you and I feel after that internal nudge is our trust in God muscle being stretched. Jesus is inviting you to follow him in that moment. Jesus is wanting to do something in you. Jesus is wanting to do something through you. Jesus is trying to grow your trust in him. See, what's ultimately at stake isn't the needs that might go unmet if, if, if you don't do something. What's at stake is your trust in God growing, which impacts the quality of your relationship with your heavenly father. That's what's always at stakes. That's why our only responsibility in the moment of that tension when we're feeling that tug of war is to say, okay, God, I'll just do what I can do and trust you to do what only you can do. See, Jesus' invitation to serve Just like with the 12 disciples in that moment, it's actually an invitation to trust me. Jesus' invitation to serve was and is a trust issue. And when we accept Jesus' invitation to do what we can do and serve, we actually pave the way for our trust in God to grow because it's the only way we'll ever see what he can do. This is just the way God works. But if we don't do what we can do, we'll never know what he is willing and able to do through us. 
the people who choose to do what they can when they feel that internal nudge and they feel Jesus inviting them into it and they're like, I can't shake this thing, they come out on the other side saying, wow, look what God did. And that's exactly what happened with the 12 disciples. They all, all the people who were there that day, ate, all of them, and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up, check this out, 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The numbers who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. The disciples did what only they can do, and Jesus in turn did what only he can do. And miraculously, he made a few loaves of bread and some fish multiply to feed thousands. <laughs> and you notice the disciples, they didn't walk away going, we're amazing. We are amazing. No, they did what anyone who experiences this dynamic does. They walked away going, we didn't do that. I mean, we had our part, but we can't take any credit for that. We simply did what we can do, and Jesus did then what only Jesus can do. Hey, you think the disciples ever forgot about that day? What do you think happened to their trust that day? I mean, it just grew exponentially. And it would have never happened if they didn't turn back around and serve those who were hungry like Jesus invited them to do. It's the big idea I hope you take away from the day that when we serve sacrificially, our trust in God grows exponentially. When we do what only we can do by sacrificially serving who and how Jesus is inviting us to serve is when Jesus chooses to show up and do what only he can do. And that's when our trust in him grows exponentially. But if we don't, we'll never know what he's willing to do through us. Our trust is at stake. Our trust in God, our faith in God, our confidence in God is at stake. Listen, Jesus didn't do that miracle that day because he'd run out of miracles to do. Like, I guess this will be cool. Like, he didn't do that miracle that day because he ran a miracle. Jesus, that day, he had a very specific agenda. Not even so much with those 5,000 people, but with those 12 guys. See, he knew he was handing off his ministry to these disciples when he physically left this earth. And if their trust in him wasn't strong enough, it wouldn't work. All this was to teach them to trust him more. And this was class 101. And now that class 101 was over... He sent them off to 201. See, immediately after everyone ate and was satisfied and filled with joy, he tells the disciples, hey, see that boat over there? I want you to get in that boat, and I want you to sail over to the other side of the lake. And they're like, Jesus, it's really late already. Like, he's like, yeah, get in the boat, sail over to the other side. I'll, I'll meet up with you on the other side. They're like, Jesus, how are you going to get over there? That's your boat. He's like, don't worry about it. I'll meet you on the other side. And then a the, few hours later, they're far from land. They're in the middle of the lake, lake, and they're caught in this huge storm that's just they're buffeted by the waves. Class 201 is in now in session. This is Jesus. He knew the storm was coming and that they were going to get hit and they were going to be in a, an impossible situation. And when they, when they were, he hoped they would remember lesson 101. Verse 25, shortly before dawn, they've been out there all night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And Matthew states that like that's no big deal. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And in that moment, I believe Peter, who was one of the 12 disciples and one of Jesus' closest friends, had a theory. I believe his theory was, yeah, I see what's going on here. We're standing there. He gives us a little, some gooey fish, 
and some few loaves of bread and says, feed the people. We know we can't feed all those people, but we turned around anyway and did it, and wow. And then Jesus told us to get in this boat and row across. And Jesus, you knew. You knew there was going to be a storm, didn't you, Jesus? So this is a lesson, and I think I understand it. I think Jesus works powerfully when we do what we can do and somehow trust him with the results. And then Peter decides to test his theory. Lord, if it's you, and I'm really hoping that's you walking on water. Tell me to come to you on the water. Now, this is so, this is so important. Hear what I'm going to say. Peter understood. Even if that's Jesus, it's probably not a great idea for me to just jump out of this boat on my own accord. Peter understood the lesson that whenever Jesus invites me to something, whenever he invites me, to do something that I'm incapable of doing, something that's out of my comfort zone, something that doesn't make sense, something that's bigger than I'm capable of doing, if I simply do what only I can do when he invites me, when he invites me, he will then do what only he can do. So Peter says, hey, Jesus, if it's you, invite me. Ask me, because if you ask me, then I trust that I can do it, and that because you'll do what only you can do. So come on, Jesus. Invite me. Invite me out of this boat. And Jesus said, come. Come. Then Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Peter did the same thing he did when Jesus passed out the fish and the bread. He said, I can get out, I can get out of a boat and walk, but I can't walk on water. But now that Jesus, now that you have invited me to, I'm going to do what I can do and trust you, Jesus, that you're going to do what only you can do. And guys, church, that's really what it means to be a follower of Christ to a great degree. So I dare you. I dare you to start praying the Peter prayer. Jesus, please invite me out of my comfort zone. When you do, I'm going to do what I can because I can't wait for, to see what you can do. And for some... He's already been inviting you. You've already felt that internal nudge to serve that person, engage on that team, sign up for that serving opportunity, step into that role. But you've let your excuses and your fears and your insecurities stop you from following Jesus. And Jesus is going, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on out of the boat. I dare you. I'm inviting you. Trust me enough to do what you can do and then watch and see what only I can do. So Peter, he trusted Jesus enough to accept his invitation out of the boat. And Peter walked on water with Jesus that day. Amazing. Well, after Jesus and Peter got back in the boat, here's what happened. Then those who were in the boat, the 11, other 11 disciples, worshipped him. Worshipped Jesus saying, truly you are the son of God. <laughs> we suspected it before with the whole bread and fish thing, but now there's no doubt in our mind. We trust absolutely once and for all that you, Jesus, are the Son of God, which is where Jesus had been trying to get them to the entire time. Once again, here's the big idea I want you to remember from today. When we serve sacrificially, our trust in God grows exponentially. When we do what only we can do by sacrificially serving who and how Jesus is inviting us to serve is when Jesus decides to show up and do what only he can do. And that's when our trust in him grows exponentially. But it's even bigger than that. It's even better than that. It's even richer than that. Because 
what God does through our serving is so huge in other people's lives and in the world. Jesus said the entire reason he came was to seek and to save those who are lost. Those who have a broken relationship with holy creator God because of their violation of sin against him. That's you and 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 me. And every single person. Another time Jesus also said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus sacrificially served us to the point of death. He sacrificed his life on the cross to forgive you and me and a lost and broken world for our violation of sin against Holy Creator God and to restore and redeem and reconcile our broken relationship with our Heavenly Father in this life and in the next. And that's what Jesus wants the lost and broken world to know and to understand and to accept. Jesus wants a lost world to know that he loves them extravagantly because that's the only way they'll ever maybe want to put their faith in Jesus and ask him by asking him to be the forgiver of their sins and lead their life and enter into a saving relationship with their heavenly father through Jesus. But how will people ever know of Jesus' extravagant love for them? How will they ever know? How will a lost, hurting, broken world ever know of Jesus' extravagant love for them? Well, that is where we as Jesus' followers come in. Jesus would say to those of us who are his followers, those of us who have put our faith in him, follow me, follow me, follow me and love others just as I first loved you because that's the only way that they will ever know my love for them. All right, Jesus, how do we practically do that? How do we practically love others in the lost and broken world how you first loved us? And Jesus would say, by sacrificially serving them just as I sacrificially served you to the point of death. Just as I sacrificially served you and laid down my life for you. Be rich and follow me by doing what only you can when you feel that nudge inside. When you do, not only will your trust in me grow, but people will begin to see and experience my love for them through you. Bottom line. The way to be rich is to love extravagantly by serving sacrificially. By serving the way Jesus first served us to the point that he laid down his life for us. So here's my question for you. Where, how, and who is Jesus inviting you to be rich and serve sacrificially? Where's God nudging you? What's that thing you felt like you should do, you need to do, but your fears and your inadequacies and your reservations and your excuses has stopped you, but that nudge, it just won't go away. Maybe it's to engage on that team. Maybe it's to help that person at work. Maybe it's to apprentice to be a T-Life group leader. Maybe it's to serve in one of our next-gen ministries. Maybe it's to take a meal to that person who's struggling. Maybe it's to help that struggling mom, that single, that single mom with carpooling. Maybe it's to work the concession stand at your kid's team, at your kid's games. Maybe it's to coach that little league team. Middle school, high school students, maybe it's to serve down. The issue is not ultimately about the need being met, which is big. The ultimate issue is about your trust in God. God wants to do something in you and through, the, through you, but you'll never know what he's willing to do if you don't trust him enough to do what only you can do. So my challenge to you 
my challenge from this point forward for every person who wants their trust in God to grow is to say yes. Say yes by turning around to feed the crowd. Say yes and accept Jesus' invitation to throw your leg over that side of the boat and get out of the water. Say yes and sign up for that opportunity. Take that meal. Go to Team Link. Start apprenticing. Give them a ride. Mow your neighbor's lawn. Serve down. Say yes to where, how, and who Jesus is inviting you to serve. Say yes. Don't think about it one moment longer. Don't pray about it one moment longer. Say yes. But i got to let you know, what may prevent you is the same thing that, that the disciples were tempted with which is a scarcity mindset. I don't have enough bread and fish. I don't have enough time. I'm not good enough. I don't know how to. I'm not talented enough, strong enough, smart enough, young enough, old enough. I don't have enough ability. I don't have enough resources. And let me tell you what, you're right. You don't have enough. The disciples didn't have enough bread. The disciples didn't have enough fish. But their loaves and fish, but our loaves and fish in Jesus' hands is more than enough if we trust him and do what we can do. Saying yes, it may cost you time. It may cost you comfort. It may cost you convenience. It may cost you money. But what you get is worth so much more and so much better. When we serve sacrificially, our trust in God grows exponentially. The really cool thing about this Be Rich season that we do once a year is that we all get the opportunity to practice saying yes to being rich by sacrificially serving next Saturday at our annual serve day. If, if you're new, this is the one day every year where we all together as a church serve the needs of our community, the people in our community, our local nonprofit partners, and Korean refugees in Jesus' name. Through Serve Day, we get the opportunity to make a huge difference in one day together. We get the opportunity to show the people in our community we are for them and so is God. We get the opportunity to show people that we love them and so does God. Last year, 318 of us served at Serve Day together. That means we invested 809 hours into serving our community and, our, and the Korean refugees in one day. And God, yeah, it was awesome. It was absolutely, thank you, Matt. <laughs> Matt's literally the only person in the room going to heaven. It's Matt. You. <laughs> Man, God used last year huge ways for his glory. We want to make a bigger impact together this year. Our Serve Day goal this year is to serve 1,000 hours together. For Serve Day 2022, we're doing eight projects together. You can see all eight of those projects on the screen. I just want to say a couple things about a few of them just so there's clarity on these. The Camp Rivercrest project is for rooted middle school students and, adult, and their adult leaders only. Um, and it's not on next Saturday. It's actually going to be next Sunday afternoon. This is the only project that's, that's not on Saturday. Middle school students, if you've never jumped into Rooted, never tried out Rooted, this is a great time to jump in. Serve at Serve Day next Sunday. Parents of middle school students, sign your student up. Have them do this. This make a huge impact in their life. They don't need to play, you know, roadblock. What's it called? Minecraft next at roadblocks. They need to play SimCity next Sunday. <laughs> Do you guys even know what SimCity is? Oh, yeah, I just want to make sure. I guarantee it got better than when I was a kid. Uh, the, second, the second project I want to let you just, 
identify here real quick is the Corinne Refugee Clothing Giveaway Project is just for Youth United high school students and their adult leaders. Third, third thing is this. Most people are needed at one of our two King Lake projects. So if you don't have a preference, sign up for one of those. If you don't know, King Lake is a small community that has many lower income families just west of us, just west of Elkhorn, who over the last couple years, over the last few years, has gone through a lot, a lot. This project is so important because many of the homes in King Lake do not have central heat. They do not have an HVAC system. The entire way those homes are heated is wood stoves and fireplaces. So what we're going to be doing is cutting wood so they have heat this winter. <laughs> like, so you can see this project is so vitally important. Now, just like with the Be Rich offering, our primary goal for Serve Day is 100% engagement. We're asking 100% to serve next Saturday for a two to four hour block at one of those eight projects because the more of us who serve, the bigger impact we can make in this one day. So I invite you to say yes. I invite you to say yes and sign up before you leave this morning, before you leave this room, before you log off your computer this morning. Most projects, you don't need any special skills. You just have to have a willingness to say yes. And you're like, well, I have younger kids. What do I do with my younger kids? Bring them with you. Bring them with you. This will be impactful for them as well. So signing up is very easy to do. You can see the instructions on your screen right now. If you're here in person and you need any help signing up or you have any questions about any specific project, just go to the Next Step area and one of our teammates are out there and would love to help you and answer any questions they can. After you sign up, you are going to receive, before next Saturday, you're going to receive uh, details via email about where to go, what to wear, things like that. Now, as I said before, Serve Day last year was an amazing experience. And as you take time to sign up right now, here's a look at Serve Day 20. 21. Everything we do here at COPE is free to our families and the community. It's great to have the support from Relevant Church and the congregation. Uh, we've got kids, we've got ladies, we've got men helping us out today. We're sorting and moving some food also. We've had a large donation of food recently, and so they're helping us sort some of the food and move it up to the new location. Yeah, we're in Old Town Elkhorn and we are decorating for Christmas and we just want to help out by putting up decorations and bringing Christmas cheer and basically they just needed manpower to get all those decorations up and we have the manpower to help out and so it's, it's fun, we're, everybody's having a good time together but we're also helping our community by brightening things up and welcoming the Christmas season. Here at Elkhorn Middle School and Westridge Elementary, we're just doing some grounds cleanup, um, just really helping out custodial staff and um, keeping the school grounds clean and looking nice for the students. Um, and then over at Westridge Elementary, we um, were repairing some of the Gaga ball pit that the kids use at recess. So just keeping that updated and um, everything good for our schools. So we really appreciate helping out and we're enjoying it. God's given us a beautiful day today, and uh, we're out here. We try to do this every year where we, uh, a lot of residents of King Lake have, uh, they either use wood strictly for heating, and so this wood really helps a lot of people to the point of almost survival on some of them, because there's some areas that just have wood burning stoves or whatever. So we're out here, we got a great group of people. I would say we got close to five dozen people out here. We got chainsaws running, we got splitters running, uh, we got trucks being delivered, uh, trailers being delivered. So we're splitting the wood, we're stacking it up at their house or loading it up at their house and they're ready to go then. So we're making a lot of rounds and 
Uh, people are just pitching in and having a great time. We've got a majority from relevant. We got a few, actually, the homeowners uh, that are will uh, that are physically willing to help are here, and we get a chance to work side by side, and that's such a beautiful thing to see. So we basically come to a family's house, take out all the bad stuff, and then we put in some of the new items. And this is a great time for us because we get to help them and get to make a change in their lives so that they can have a better living situation and a healthier home. This is our 40th home makeover that we are doing with Relevant Community Church. Uh, the family that we have chosen for this project is a Karen refugee family of seven. Uh, Mom and dad both have some pretty substantial medical issues, and the reason that we chose them is because of that. So we want to help support them and get them the furniture and the items that they need to really thrive here in America. And unfortunately, due to the medical conditions, they haven't been able to um, get full-time employment, and so they haven't been able to afford things like beds and dressers and all of the things that make a house a home. And so we're really trying to make their house a home today and all of the volunteers here are incredible. They're doing an amazing job. We love working with Relevant. It's always a great partnership. Last year, was, last year was so fun, and now there's this year. So let's be rich and serve sacrificially at Serve Day next Saturday. Let's be rich because when we serve sacrificially, our trust in God grows exponentially. Let's be rich and show a watching world that our church is not just a bunch of songs and sermons. Let's be rich and communicate to our community that we are for them and love them and God is for them and loves them as well. Let's be rich and make a difference in Jesus' name. Let's be rich and see what only God can do through it. Let me pray. Dear Lord, I pray that uh, um, we just respond to this, respond to this next step that we choose to just be rich and serve sacrificially next Saturday. And through it, Lord, I pray that you do some awesome things in people's lives. I pray that needs are met. I pray that people in, in our community and Korean refugees just come to know, man, maybe God is for me. Maybe God does love me. Lord, and, and I, I pray that as we choose to not just be rich next Saturday, but I pray we choose to be rich and serve sacrificially in every way that you're nudging us and inviting us to all year long. And as we do that, I pray that our trust in you grows exponentially because we get to watch you do what only you can do. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.